You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. We're starting a brand new series today, and um, I'm really excited. It's probably not the right word, but I'm, I'm really humbled to be giving this message Um, I was thinking this week I wasn't going to say it out loud but I guess I should I was thinking this week Phil what if this was your very last Sunday that you were ever to stand before the people who call you their pastor what message would you give what would you tell them? And I pray that uh, this would be the message that I would give you. And to skip all that emotion, we'll start with something light. <laughs> I need a volunteer to come and trust me that I will take care of you and not embarrass you. So I need a volunteer, Jeff. Would you come on up, brother? Can we welcome Jeff? He's one of our uh, youth leaders. Awesome, brother. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Um, here's, it's wrapped, so it's, 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 it's sanitized. Can you just grab that uh, blindfold in there? And um, just go ahead and put that on. Yeah. Um, I, I do promise you that I will not mess with you. I promise that uh, you don't have any food allergies, do you? No. Okay, so I promise that nothing, nothing is going to uh, be anything that I wouldn't do myself, okay? Okay. I know that doesn't say much, but... Um, <laughs> so, obviously, you cannot see, correct? No, not at all. Okay, so if you could just uh, put your hand out, I'm going to give you some hand sanitizer, and I'm going to take some as well. And so what we're going to do, Jeff, I'm going to tell you, is we're going we're gonna to see how good Jeff is at guessing what he's tasting, but also <laughs> objects that he's holding, and just see how good Jeff might be. Now, again, Daniel did this last service. Uh, he did a pretty good job. Okay. So what we're going to do, the first, we're going to start off easy, and again, I promise you, uh, it's, it's not going to be dog food. It's not going to yeah. be anything crazy, okay? okay? So this first one here, obviously, you'll be able to see it on the screen. Can we show it on the screen? Okay? And so um, what I'm going to do is I have a spoon. It's on a spoon. Okay. And so if you grab the spoon right here, uh-huh, and go ahead and just taste it and tell me what you think it is. Applesauce. Applesauce. That's good. Can we, can we give it up for him? Thanks, Jeff. It's that easy. Okay, now we're going to do an object, okay? We're going to do an object. I'm going to hand it to you, and I want you to see if you can guess what that object is. It's a basketball. It's a basketball. Yeah, this is great. This is easy. Okay. Um, This one is another object. Okay, we're going to see how well Jeff can figure out what it is. It's a slinky. It's a slinky. Come on. See, this is... This is easy. And now um, is our last taste test. Again, I, this is a little risky, but just so you know, it's nothing that I wouldn't do. So okay. hold out your hand, okay? And I want you just to kind of taste that. You don't have to bite into it necessarily, but just taste it. Yep. Is that what you thought it would be? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? A lemon. A lemon. Let's give it up. You can take your blindfold off now. Hey, your prize will be in the mail. Thank you so much. (laughs) Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm going to just cover this so we're not distracted here. So we just witnessed someone who flawlessly identified four different things, two food and two objects. And most of you would probably excel and succeed at that little taste and uh, name it game. Why? It's because we are built with different senses, right? We're able to identify marks of a specific food, whether the texture or the taste and the flavor, right? 
the mixture of things. We're just trained and ingrained as we grow. Our taste buds start to identify things, whether we like it or whether we don't like it. For objects, we start to learn shapes and weights and texture. And we start to identify what things are. Education system is all about training our kids to identify things for what they are. So the question for you today is would you be able to identify who is a disciple of Jesus and who is not? Would you be able to identify someone who is a disciple of Jesus? Can you identify it in your own life? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Let's look at the definition so we can start to understand what discipleship is. This is from the Verge Network. The Verge Network is formed by many different churches and pastors and Christian leaders who are about one thing, making disciples of Jesus. They said this, to be a true disciple, you have to know what a disciple looks like. Just like Jeff tasted the applesauce and immediately three seconds in, he knew it was applesauce. Do you know what a disciple is supposed to look like to where you're in three seconds? You can say, that's a disciple. I'm walking as a disciple right there. And to become a better disciple maker, so not only are we supposed to know what a disciple is supposed to be, but we're supposed to make them. How can you make them if you don't know what they're supposed to be? And to become a better disciple maker, you have to know the what? Marks of a true disciple. You need to live out. So it's one thing to know. You can know what Jesus says about being a follower, but it's another thing to live it out. And it's also another thing to understand what the fruit of effective disciple making looks like. Tastes like, sounds like, feels like. What would you say right now in this moment if you were given the question by someone outside, what would you tell them? What is a disciple? What would you tell them? Many of you would say a follower of Jesus. You would be correct. But what is a follower of Jesus? What does that taste like? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Do you understand that you will never fully operate in what a disciple is if you don't know what it looks like? According to Jesus, not according to pastors, not according to organizations, not according to philosophies and politics. What, what does it look like for you? What are the requirements to be a disciple? You see, the American church, I said last week, whether you believe it or not, the American church statistically is in a decline the last 50 years or maybe even more. Would we agree with that? Would you, would you agree? Okay. I said last week that one of the main reasons is that people who call themselves Christians are not being plugged into the heart of God, the word of God, and the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? But what we're talking about today is actually the primary reason or the root cause for the decline of the American church. This is not just Phil's opinion. This is so many Christian leaders, writers, pastors, across the globe. The biggest reason or the root cause for the decline in the American church is the misconception of what it means to be a disciple. And because we don't 
understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we have churches filled with people wearing Christian name tags, going to church, serving at church, and not living a life that follows Jesus at all. Hurting other people who want nothing to ever do with the church ever again because they're not acting like disciples of Jesus. Many of you have experienced that growing up. If it's been here, please come talk to me because we're gonna make it right. It's time to end where the church is giving Jesus a bad name. It's because we are deceived and there's a misconception of what it means to follow Jesus. So guess what I did this week? I reached out to about 10 pastors, friends of mine, ministers of the gospel, some in Cincinnati, one in Atlanta, Georgia, one in Wisconsin, one in Pennsylvania. And I asked them, I said, as a pastor, ministering to Christians week in, week out, what do you see as the biggest misconception of being a disciple of Jesus? The answers were literally breathtaking. Here's one. There's an assumption amongst Christians that if you say you're a Christian, if you attend church, then you are saved. Ask someone who calls himself a Christian. See what their answer is. You hear a lot of people say, well, you know, haven't been to church in a while. I need to get going to church again. Uh, I haven't read my devotional. I haven't read my Bible. Man, not being a good Christian right now, I need to do that. And they get this assumption that salvation is based on what they do. Couldn't be further from the truth. Is that you? Next. We just have to know about Jesus. Just know information, mindset, how we tell other people about Jesus. We just need to know about Jesus like we know Abe Lincoln. Versus following him, obeying him, being transformed and becoming like him. We have been led to believe in churches today that it's really just what you know. Jesus loves me, why? The Bible tells me so. So I believe it. Has the Jesus of the Bible transformed your life? Changed your life? Become Lord of your life? That's a different story, friends. Let's look at the next misconception. You don't have to do anything to be a disciple. It has already been done for you on the cross. That's a bunch of bogus. You know why? You don't have to do anything to earn salvation. You don't have to earn your forgiveness because you can't. You can't please God. You cannot do anything to earn salvation. It has already been done for you on the cross once and for all. Jesus, it's a one moment thing where you confess your sins to Jesus and ask him to be Lord of your life. To be a disciple, you have to give your life. That's everything. It is what you do. It's not your works necessarily. It's what you do out of salvation that has already been done for you. Is that clear? Does that make sense? Because grace is undeserved favor. You can't do anything to earn God's favor through Jesus Christ. But to be a follower of Jesus, you give up everything. That's why a lot of Christians don't ever get to that point of being a follower. And if you're not a follower, I would tell you you're probably not a Christian. Uh, yeah. You usually follow what you make Lord. 
Remember follow the leader? Yeah, I was always the kid in the middle of the line that wanted to be the leader. And I wasn't the leader, and so I tried to take the kids behind me astray and lead them. Yeah, that doesn't work. And we so often try that in our own lives. We go, Christ, I'm a Christian. Christ is my leader. But hey, I'm going to do my own thing because this is how I think I should respond. This is what I think is true. This is what I think we should do. And then we start to put judgments and and regulations and, and all these things on other people, and we lead them astray. We're called to follow, not lead. Disciples are made when they're born again. False. Some of you are really disgruntled right now because you have, that's what you were taught. You are not a disciple when you're born again. You are in a way, but I'm just trying to get this Get this clear to us. Disciples are not made when they're born again. Believers are made when you're born again. Jesus said in order to be born again, you need to spiritually lose your dead sinful life and take the life of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, and what he did on the cross. Take his life and be dead to your life. That is a one-moment deal. Believers are born, disciples are made. Why do you think Jesus spent three years with his disciples? If it was a one-moment thing, he would have been here for a week, died on the cross, resurrected, and went home. But he made 12 disciples, 70 and 120 in the masses that changed the course of this world. Believers are born. Disciples are made. If disciples were were born, we wouldn't be teaching this sermon because you'd all be walking as disciples. The church would be functioning as it was designed. But sadly, that's not the case. Is there one more? Churches tend to focus on making wholehearted church members. So true. It is so true, and pastors and leaders are waking up to this. Wholehearted church members, not wholehearted church, excuse me, Christ followers. That's one of the reasons we don't have church membership here. One of the reasons. If you want to be a member of the family of God, You need to be washed with the blood of the lamb. And what I mean by that is you need to believe in Jesus, receive him as Lord of your life and the forgiveness of your sins, and you need to give your life as a sacrifice in surrender to Jesus. If you do that and you come here and you serve others and you give of yourself, you're a member of this local family. It's as plain as day. It's not about church membership. It's about wholeheartedly following Jesus, even on your social media page, even when you're in your car and no one sees you, even when you are ridiculously accused of something that is not true. So what does a disciple look like? Obviously, the Church of America, we have a problem, do we not? If this by pastors and leaders saying, we have so many Christians who are lukewarm. They're coming to church. They're wearing the Christian name tag. They're putting the Christian bumpers on their, on their, um, their car or their vehicle. And that's about as far as it goes. That's a problem, guys. Because we know the kingdom of God, as Jesus came to bring, will not advance unless true disciples start to stand up and live out their life as a disciple and follower and maker of other disciples. Amen? So, during this series, we're going to use this scripture as our main passage. You can turn to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew quite a bit. Go ahead, turn your phones to Matthew as well. I would encourage you to write down these scriptures And I'm going to say from the the start, 
This is a loaded, loaded message. And so I'm praying that God will just guide me to what I need to say. But we are defining what it means today to follow Christ. Obviously, you know, that's a loaded question. And so let's just look at what Jesus said. He says this to his disciples that he's gathering along the Sea of Galilee. Follow me. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. This is what I don't understand, and we don't have time to go into it today. But immediately they left everything they were doing, their identity, their career, their families, to follow Jesus. Obviously, there was something very special, spiritual, supernatural about this man, this Messiah that they had been awaiting for since they can remember. So they left, and Jesus then went to the, the next place and, and said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they left their boat and their father and followed him. And then later in Matthew 28, this is after Jesus is resurrected. He's getting ready to go to the Father so that the Holy Spirit can come and fill every follower of Jesus. He says this, this is called the Great Commission. The final words of Jesus, I think we need to listen. <laughs> Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go. Therefore, because the authority has been given to me and I died for you and I resurrected, go therefore and make, what's that word? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Observe or obey. It's one of the reasons we have lukewarm followers of Jesus today. They don't obey him. They want to know him, but they don't want to listen to him. They want to listen to him, but they don't want to do what the, he says, right? And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. Did you notice he said nothing about church buildings? Church attendance said nothing about pastors, said nothing about a kid's ministry, says nothing about the tithe here, says nothing about serving in ministry. It says, go and make, go and make disciples. Friends, if you're not a disciple, you can't make something you're not. And if you are a disciple, you need to understand. In order to be a disciple, you need to understand what it looks like according to Jesus' standard. You with me? We really need some heart surgery for this. Some of you are right there, and God's been doing heart surgery on you for the last couple years, and some of you are right now on the operating table. <laughs> and Jesus is revealing this to you. But guys... The church will never be what it was designed to be unless Christians get their act together and live out what it means to be a disciple. So let's look today at the word follow me. This series is gonna be broken into three sections. Follow me, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? I got my work cut out for me. Next week is going to be what does it look like for Jesus to make you into what he wants you to be. Follow me, Jesus said, I will make you. I will transform you. I will mold you. You don't want to miss next week. And honestly, I would love for you, if you're really wanting to understand what a disciple looks like and to live it out, come to all four of these. If you can't be here, watch at 1045. This is extremely essential. Youth, kids, parents, if you don't know this, how can you make disciples in your children? It's like the blind leading the blind. 
This is so important. So what does follow me look like? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't finish. So we're doing follow me. Next week is how God makes us and forms us to be his followers. And then the last two weeks, we're going to spend about making disciples. Do you understand that you are not a disciple if you're not making disciples? That, that gets us. Points the fingers right at me. One of the key marks of a disciple is one who is sharing the gospel of Jesus and making other disciples. So let's look at three marks of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. A disciple means follower. Some people translate it to mean just a learner or a student. It is so much more than that because it's not about information. In order to follow Jesus, it's about transformation. Jesus' life taking place and our dead lives being put in the ground at the cross. It means this, someone who, who adheres completely, not just some of the scriptures, not just some of the teachings, the ones that make us feel good and the ones that we agree with, it's completely to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna see some of them that are very difficult to take in. But completely adhere to the teaching of Jesus, making Christ his or her rule of life and conduct. So going into this, from the start, to be a disciple, Jesus needs to be your measuring stick. He needs to be the ruler of your life. And he needs to be the standard in which you always aim to hit. If you don't, you are going to find yourself following someone else other than Jesus. And that is a dangerous road to walk down. A follower of Jesus adheres completely to the teachings of Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, one of the first things you should pursue is to know what does Jesus teach. Because if you're to live a life as a follower of Jesus, you need to know the model and method of Jesus. So if you don't know, start in the Gospels. Matthew, Luke, Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's all Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth. Moving on. So we know that a follower is someone who makes the person they're following the leader and ruler of their lives. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? Number one is to lay down every part of your life, every part of your life, and pick up the cross to follow Jesus. This is the hardest thing, but this is where it's supernatural because you cannot come to Jesus. You cannot be convicted of your sins without the Holy Spirit convicting you and showing you that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. You need the Holy Spirit to do it. You can't muster it in your own strength. And you can't lay down your life in your own strength. It has to be through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ. But in order to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to lay your life down as you know it to pick up Jesus' life. If you're living the life that you know it, you're not picking up the life of Jesus. It's called surrender. Jesus is all about followers who surrender. A rich man came to Jesus he owned so much wealth and possessions, but he loved Jesus and he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And he went and he says, Jesus, what do I need to do to follow you? I'll do anything. And what did he say? Sell everything you have. What was Jesus getting to? Not possessions. He was getting to what enthroned this young man's heart. 
who was the ruler and the measuring stick of his life. It was wealth and possessions. He could not lay that down. And it says he went away completely discouraged and distraught because he couldn't do it. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to lay down all that you are and all that you have to pick up the cross, which represents sacrifice, and follow Jesus. This is where many Christians get stuck and where they hinder and stunt the discipleship process because they're not willing to lay down their life. Sadly, so many people who think they're Christians but never lay down their lives will face the judgment seat of God and he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. In order to be a follower of Jesus, you must die to yourself and live a life of sacrifice by following Jesus. Matthew 16, verse 24 says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. We are selfish to the core of our flesh. Jesus knew that. That's why he said this. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Here's something I just feel like the Lord just spoke to my heart. Do you know when you deal with anxiety, stress, frustration and anger, it's usually because you're trying to control something. You're trying to have your own way. Whether you're doing it with a good intention to serve God or not, the flesh has this way of poking its ugly head. And we think that we have the right way. We think we know the way. We think we know truth. And we think we have life. But if we're not willing to give up our everything to Jesus, we are gravely mistaken. Luke 14, verse 26 says, if you want to be my followers, this is Jesus' standard, by the way. You must, by comparison, hate everyone else. What? That's got to be a misprint. That's got to be a mistranslation here. No, sadly, it's not. You must hate your father and mother. What? I thought he said obey your father and mother. He did. The word hate doesn't mean disdain. The word hate means giving up. You must give up your father and family of having that place, that rightful place that Jesus only is designed to keep and to lead. What he's saying is your brother and your sister and your family and your children aren't supposed to lead your life. Because what you follow is what you deem important. Sadly, and I'm not trying to speak down to anybody or offend anyone, but I've lived long enough to observe that parents are following their children. They're not leading their children. They were designed to lead, not follow. We were designed to follow. And in order to follow, we have to give up everything else that we pursue as our leader. Let me say it a different way. If you want to follow Jesus, nothing, nothing is supposed to guide your life other than Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Who is leading your life? And who are you following? Because who you follow will be who you make leader and Lord of your life. 
So you must lay down every single part. Verse 33 in Luke 14 says, so you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything. You want to be a follower of Jesus? Have you given up your life? Have you laid down your life? Because that is the first sign of a born-again Christian. In order to receive the life that Jesus gives, you have to die to who you are in your flesh, your sinful nature. And then becoming a disciple is the process of looking more and more like Jesus. But you have to start by laying down your life. Number two, we have to fully rely on Christ for everything. Every item, every thought, every belief, everything that you go through, you are called to rely on Christ. Sadly, we, re we rely on the church organization. We rely on devotionals. We rely on the pastor. And we're to rely fully on Christ. Are you relying on the election results or the contention or all the crazy chaos? If you are, I'm so sorry. You were never designed to rely on men. They will always disappoint and lead you astray. Matthew 11 says this about fully relying on Christ. Don't miss this because this came alive to me when I read this this week. You know the scripture. If you know it, stop. Just don't go autopilot. Read with me. It says, come to me. Who's he talking to? Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I always, 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 and I love this scripture, one of my favorites. It's my go-to when I'm anxious, when I'm burnt out from ministry, when I'm tired and I'm disconnected from God or when people and circumstances aren't going according to what I expected. I use this scripture verse, and you know what? I'm not even saying it's wrong that I use it in that way. I think we can get some truth from that, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not talking about that at all. What is he talking about? He's talking about a burden that hinders the process of becoming a disciple. Get this. Get this. This is the burden. <laughs> Jesus is talking about a burden that hinders you from following Jesus alone. What is that burden? It's the burden that makes us tired. It's the burden that makes us weary and confused. It's the burden that steals that kick in our step. And it is the actual burden to carrying out this Christian life. What is that burden? It's living our lives according to our own strength. Living our lives alone without God. It is trying to do this Christian faith without the Christ of your faith. We're all guilty. This burden Jesus talks about the religious leaders in Matthew 23, he says this, don't practice what they teach. Why? Because these religious leaders crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the what? Everyone say it out loud, to ease the burden. That's the burden Jesus is talking about when he says, come to me. All of you who are weary by doing life as the church would tell you, you need to do it. Are you tired and weary by just carrying out your faith on your own strength and your own agenda? Jesus said to follow me is all about laying down your lives, fully relying on me, not anyone else, to give you the strength to live out the spiritual life. When we try to live out our lives by religious rituals, by things that we think are going to make us holy in God's eyes. 
When we start to do things our way and follow our truth and live our life, we have stepped out of alignment of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I want to close as the band comes up. I want to close with a statement from a Christian writer and preacher. His name is Ian Thomas. And he gets to the heart of what it means to be a follower. And I know we're trying to disconnect. It's a longer service, and I, I, I hear you. But let us not leave this place of conviction and challenge of what it means to truly follow Jesus. He says this, it's amazing, it's amazing how busy you can be doing nothing. He's talking to the Christian. Did you ever find that out? The flesh, what is the flesh? We always say, well, it's our sin, right? He defines what the flesh is here. Everything that you do apart from Christ, that's the flesh. So who are you following? Flesh or Christ? The flesh, everything that you do apart from God, will profit nothing. And there is always that awful possibility if you do not discover this principle that you may spend a lifetime in the service of Jesus Christ doing nothing. You would not be the first, and you won't be the last. But that, my friends, above everything else, we must seek to avoid. It's called consumer Christianity. It's called lukewarm, feel-good Christianity. It's called contemporary, seeker-friendly, dilute the truth of God and what it means to be a disciple kind of gospel. That's not what Jesus came to bring. So you discover that the life which you possess as a born-again Christian is of him, and it is to him. And every moment that you are here on earth, it must be through him, of him, through him, to him, all things. That all your activity as a human being on earth may be his activity in and through you. Every step you take, every word you speak, anyone getting this, this is your cross he's called you to bear. Every step you take, every word you speak, everything you do, everything you are may be an expression of Jesus, the Son of God, in you as a man and woman. If it is him and through him and to him, where do you come in? You don't. That's where you, the flesh, goes out. When you are a follower of Jesus, you are no longer living your life. You have died to that life. You are living in the life and the standard and the values and the commands of Jesus. Are you a follower of Jesus? The only person whom God credits with the right to live in you is Jesus Christ. So reckon yourself to be dead to all that you are apart from what he is and alive unto God only in all that you are because of what he is. It is for you, follower of Jesus, to be. It is for him to do. Stop doing to earn favor in God's eyes. You can't earn it, but you have to give up your life for it and you have to rely fully on Christ for every part of your lives. So what must we do? I just wanna take a few more minutes because the sad thing is there are churches, hopefully not here, but there are churches where there are people who have been Christian for over 30, 40, 50 years and have never understood what it looks like to be a disciple. And they have bought into this buffet of Christianity 
sitting on the fence, letting Jesus do it all, and we have nothing to give, no one to serve. That is not what Jesus said a follower of Jesus is. Friends, this is huge. And the apostles knew this when the Holy Spirit came and flooded their lives. And there were 3,000, thousands, even more than 3,000, thousands of people outside of this upper room. And the disciples came out. They were changed from the inside out. People thought they were drunk. And after he declared and shared the gospel of Jesus, all of them said, Peter, what do we do? What do we do to follow this Jesus? What do we do to change our lives? And what does he say? He says this, each of you must repent of your sin. Repent simply means get rid of. Acknowledge it for what it is. Leave it at the cross of Jesus, forgiven and cleansed. And then it says, and turn to God. Turn away from your sin, now turn to God through Jesus Christ. Turn to God. And now what does it say? Be baptized. You know what that is? It's obedience. So many Christians who call themselves Christians like what Jesus has to offer, but they don't want to obey what he asked them to do. We have Christians just living their lives for the benefit of their own. Jesus says, obey me. If you don't obey my commands, you are not my follower We're going to talk about that week three. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You want to be a follower of Jesus? You have to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. How do you do that? You confess your sins and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Being a follower of Jesus, hear me, is not about saying a prayer. It's not about taking communion. It's not about anything but dying to your sin and being resurrected to a new life in Christ. That's it. That's it. And then you live out the discipleship by clinging to Jesus as you lay down your life and fully rely on him. Would you bow your heads? Guys, just as I said, that this would probably be one of the messages that I would give if I knew it was my last message. What if this is your last message you'll ever hear? What if this moment is the last moment you will ever have from this moment of earth into new Jerusalem, heaven, paradise with Jesus? If we don't get what a discipleship or what a disciple of Jesus looks like, we are in grave danger of hearing not what we want to hear at the judgment throne. It's not based on your works. It's not based how good you are. It is based solely on Jesus. Maybe you've said a prayer. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you thought you've been a Christian but you have never laid your life down. Friends, I'm talking to you. Today's the day to lay your life down and take the life of Jesus that he died to give you. But you have to lay your life down at the cross. Yes, it's a daily sacrifice. You want to pick up your flesh? You got to lay it down. You want to pick it back up? You got to lay it down. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must give up your life, take up your cross, and follow me. If that's you this morning and you want to follow Jesus with your life, whether you've done it before, whether this is the first time, I want you to just raise your hand right where you're at. No one looking around. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life right where you're at. Come on. We're not supposed to be shy here. Those of you who right now say they're a Christian, are you willing to lay your life down? Raise your hand. 
I hope I'm communicating clearly. Are you willing to lay down your life for the life of Jesus? Are you willing to fully rely on what he can give and stop living your own way, your own truth, and your own life? Then that means you are called to plug into Jesus. You are called to rely fully on Jesus. You are called to give your life for Jesus. And you're called to obey him. For those of you who have never been baptized, baptism is a requirement. You can bring your hands down. Baptism is a requirement to be a follower of Jesus. I didn't say that. Peter did. Baptism is three things. A requirement, a reflection of what is happening inside of you, and a reminder to you the rest of your life on this earth that you have died to yourself and you are risen anew, raised to life in Christ. We're gonna have a baptism service in a couple weeks at the end of this series. And I wanna see disciples, true disciples of Jesus get baptized. Whether it's your first time, second time. If you wanna be a true disciple, we need to start it right in obedience. And it starts with laying down your life relying fully on Christ and obeying him. Let's worship. I know we've gone late, but let's plug in. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.